I want to look at, at the Ten Commandments. Everyone said the Ten Commandments. And we're going to go quickly if we can, and we'll go to the next slide, and we'll do a quick review uh, for those of you who might have missed it. There are three categories of the Old Testament law. Moral law, everyone said moral law, civil law, and ceremonial law. The moral law is timeless, and we went through this in detail uh, last time around. I won't, I won't belabor the point, but the, the Ten Commandments fall under God's moral law. God's mor- morals never change. His morality never changes. The Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so there are moral laws in the Old Testament, and they do not change. Uh, however, the civil law was almost a theocracy uh, at the time. The Old Testament, the, uh, the Jews lived under a theocracy. It was their civil government and their religion were intertwined. Uh, and uh, we do not live in a theocracy today. And, uh, and the ceremonial law was all related to Old Testament salvation. And Jesus fulfilled the ceremonial law at Calvary. That's why we don't sacrifice animals any longer. Aren't you thankful for that? We don't have to mess with all that blood and, uh, and, and go through all of those rituals because Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, and he fulfilled that. However, it's important to know that the moral law does not change. Look at your neighbor and say, it doesn't change. It doesn't change. Now, the greatest commandments are in Matthew 22 and 36. And we, look, we have Jesus telling us, they asked him, Jesus, what, what's the first and greatest commandment? And, uh, and Jesus answered them and he said uh, two things. He said, love God. Everyone said, love God and love your neighbor. So these two principles form the foundation of all of God's moral law. So in other words, all of morality... How many understand that God gets to set the definitions of morality? God has the moral high ground. And there is no morality separated from God's law. God gets to set the definition of morality. And uh, man has often tried to come up with their own definitions and versions of morality. But you can't do it separated from God. And God said the foundation of all morality is to love God and love your neighbor, love people, love one another, love your wife, love your family, love your children. Everything falls under the umbrella of loving God first. Everyone said first. You cannot properly love other people until you learn how to properly love God. When you learn how to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, then you can love others the way that God intends for you to love other people. But it starts with your relationship with God. I've had people tell me, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get right with God once I work out my human relationships. I've just got, had a guy tell me one time, I was teaching him a Bible study, and he said, you know, my wife and I are really having trouble in our marriage. And so I'm going to work on my marriage, and we're going to try to get all that figured out, and then... And then I'll try to get things right with God. But I've, and I told him, I said, listen, you need to understand, if you will fall in love with Jesus, you will learn how to love your wife as you should. If you will put God first 
it will cause all of your other earthly relationships to fall into place. And when you neglect God, it affects your earthly relationships. You cannot separate your physical man from your spiritual man. They're, they're intertwined. And so you have to feed the spiritual, and that will, that will also cause the physical to be healthy at the same time. And so all of the law is built on loving God and loving people. Now, Exodus 20, uh, 1 through 17 gives us the Ten Commandments. Let's read them very quickly. The first four of them are vertical. Everyone said vertical. They're towards God. So number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Number two, you shall not make for yourself a carved image. Number three, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Number four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, number five begins our horizontal relationships. Remember, Jesus said, love God first and then your neighbor. So now we're moving to the neighbor. Honor your father and your mother. Can I get a loud amen? amen. <laughs> Thou shalt not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet. Now, the three purposes of the law are this. The law shows us our sin. It reveals what is sinful to us. The law guides sinners to their Savior. The law points us to Jesus. And finally, the law reveals God's righteousness. So the law shows us the nature and the character. I like to use this word. This isn't uh, maybe a theological word. It's, it's not a biblical word, although it's implied. But the law and the Bible itself shows us God's personality. And uh, how many understand that we all have a personality? Everyone's different. We all have characteristics that separate us from people. And the word of God shows us, we, some, we say God's character, and that's a theological word, and it's better, or his nature, that's, that's better. But I think for, for our, our minds to sometimes grasp it, the Bible shows us God's personality. It shows us what he cares about. It shows us what, what matters to him and what doesn't matter to him. And if you love God, you care about knowing him better. I want to know God better and better and better and better. That's part of relationship with God. Now, quick review. Number one, we looked at the first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And, uh, and this is, is of course, uh, includes idolatry. And in, in our modern culture, uh, we may not necessarily be worshiping statues, although uh, there are people all around the world who still worship statues. We don't necessarily do it often in America, but there are people. I was, uh, I was talking to someone the other day, and, uh, and they were Buddhist, and they had, were telling me how they just spent $5,000 on a golden statue of Buddha to bring into their home, and they pray uh, to it every day. And so that type of idolatry, make no mistake about it, it's still very much alive and well. And that's absolutely what God was talking about. But we, we also set up idols and put things before God all the time. There are people who worship money. There's people all over America who worship fame. Every, there's, there's people right now who are obsessed with being famous. And social media has messed up young people's minds so much that they are completely obsessed with just being noticed and famous and 
and power and money. And some people uh, worship at the altar of promiscuity and hedonism. Or some people just worship at the altar of pleasure and all of these things. And so there is absolutely nothing that we are allowed to place before God. Can I get an amen? Absolutely nothing. And now there are things that are not sinful that you can cause to be an idol in your life. You can turn sports into an idol. You can turn hunting. There's nothing sinful about hunting. I enjoy hunting. But you can turn that into an idol in your life where it just completely takes you over. And it takes the preeminence over God. Nothing can take preeminence over God. Praise the Lord. All right. Now. Uh, it's absolutely imperative that we have no graven images. That's why I'm careful. I, I don't like to have images in my life. And, uh, and, and we don't worship an image of God. We worship God. And, uh, and that's very important. Now, let's go. He's going to have to skip ahead a little bit here. But we will go to the, the second commandment or the third commandment. And uh, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. That's where we stopped last time. And, uh, and I, I went on a long rant about uh, our culture's obsession with using the name of Jesus as a curse word. Does that hurt your heart? That ought to hurt your heart. It, it breaks my heart. Uh, Pastor and I were just together the other day. We were checking out at a, at a, uh, a restaurant, a fast food restaurant, and they were giving us our food. And uh, the lady was, was handing us our food and made a mistake. And all of a sudden, she just started taken the name of Jesus in vain. It, it broke my heart. We didn't, we didn't do anything ugly to her, but it, it hurt my heart. It ought to hurt you when you hear people taking the name of the Lord in vain. His name is holy. His name is righteous. His name is all-powerful. There's healing in the name of Jesus. There's deliverance in the name of Jesus. And, and, and when you speak it, you ought to speak it with reverence. You should never speak the name of Jesus casually or flippantly, it should never be a, a, a byword in your life. It ought to be something that you say with faith. And, and even, when, even in prayer, did you know the Bible talks about vain repetition and things like that? Sometimes we can, we can even get to the point where we're not trying to be vile, but we just speak the name of Jesus with just such an attitude of carelessness, and we're, we're just repeating it and just repeating it and, and we don't have any feeling behind it we ought not to do that every time you speak the name of jesus there ought to be a reverence in your spirit something inside of you ought to tremble at the name of jesus when you lay hands on the sick and you call on the name of jesus that that is not a ritual that is not just something we do where we're going through the motions because we're at church and that's what we're expected to do. Something inside of you ought to tremble when you pray over someone in the name of Jesus. It's, it's powerful. Every time you open up your mouth and speak the name of Jesus with faith in your heart, demons tremble in hell. It's a powerful thing. And so we are not, it is, it's not a coincidence and it's not by accident that Jesus told us that our words matter. The things that we say matter. That's why we should not uh, just say anything casually. Christians are not uh, to just flippantly say things. That's how you get in a lot of trouble. You ever know someone who's just constantly hurting people, constantly saying things that cause trouble and cause offense, you know what that is? 
That is someone who is not understanding that words matter. Words are powerful. The Bible says that that your tongue has the power of life and death within it. And so the words that you speak are, are very, very important. And we should choose our words carefully. Uh, Christians ought to be careful with their conversation, with the words that they say. That is a biblical imperative. The Bible is laced with all kinds of commands and principles for Christians to be careful, measured, and very, very, very sincere about the words that they say. And by the way, it'll save you a lot of personal heartache in your relationships. Amen. It'll save you a lot of heartache in your relationships if you're careful with your words. Now, this brings us to where uh, we were ending last time, number four, the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day. Everyone said the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, without going into a long uh, tirade on the theology, of course, we understand that in the Old Testament they kept the uh, Saturday as, as the Sabbath day. And in the New Testament paradigm, uh, Jesus rose on Sunday. Aren't you glad he rose? And so we celebrate on Resurrection Day. And, 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 uh, but we are still to keep a day separated and holy unto the Lord. And uh, Sunday ought to matter to you. Your time in the house of God ought to matter to you. It, it ought not to be casual or, or uh, just something we do once in a while. Our kids shouldn't have to wake up. Here's a little Mother's Day tip. Our kids shouldn't have to wake up and say, Mom, Dad, are we going to church today? We never did that growing up. I never said, Mom, are we going to church today? I knew on Sunday I was getting up and going to church. We were going. It, it was really more of a matter of, are we going three hours early or two hours early? Which is it going to be, Mom? That's really what it came down to. And, and we ought to keep the day of the Lord separated and holy. And it ought to be a time that we give to God. And it is a sacrifice. It's a form of sacrifice. And God honors sacrifice. Did you know that? God honors sacrifice. And so we ought to make the house of God a priority. We ought to keep it holy unto the Lord. I've shared this story in the past, but in my Bible college days, I, I worked at the Indianapolis airport. And the airport, I managed about, I, I had about 18 uh, stores uh, under my management. Uh, some of them were food and beverage. We had a, a, a Cinnabon. That got me in a lot of trouble. Had to pray through many times over the Cinnabon store because I had unlimited free Cinnabons as a manager. So help us, Lord. And, but I also had a bookstore, and we had some retail stores and things all through the airport. And we were the first uh, location in Indiana to open a Chick-fil-A. Now, I never thought that all these years later I'd be living right here in the birthplace of Chick-fil-A. And it is anointed. Hallelujah. Praise God. And, uh, and I had never even heard of Chick-fil-A. And they, they came to me one day and we had a meeting and they said, we're, we, uh, we've won a bid and we, we're going to be opening a Chick-fil-A uh, here in the, in the airport. And, uh, and I said, Chick-fil-A, that, that sounds interesting and had no idea. And they said, but we've got a problem. They're Jesus people. 
Now, my management was very, very much not Jesus people. And they said, these people are religious fanatics. And they said, and my boss said, and you're a religious fanatic. And I said, yes, sir, guilty. And he said, I know you're a Bible college student. And, and they, they gave me a hard time. We liked each other, but it, he wasn't being disrespectful. He was kidding. And uh, he said, and I know that you're very religious, and I know that they're very religious, and so I need you to go and convince them that they need to be open on Sundays in the airport. I said, you can get, and I said, I am not going to do that. <laughs> First of all, I won't be here on Sunday. <laughs> I'm not going to tell them to be here on Sunday, and you shouldn't be here on Sunday either. And, uh, and so we, we went back and forth like that, and they really did corporate. I, the company I worked for was a multi-billion dollar company all around the world, every airport just about in the entire world. And um, part of the Marriott Corporation was bought out by several others. And, uh, and they, they brought legal action against Chick-fil-A. They had already signed the contract. And they told them, they said, listen, we're going to force you in this look. You do whatever you want over there in Georgia. You do whatever you want everywhere else. But when you come to the airport, you're going to be open on Sundays. Because we're not going to give up $30,000 a day on Sunday. Uh, four times a week, just so you guys can make some kind of religious point. And, and they brought action against them and fought it, and Chick-fil-A won. And sure enough, yeah, that's wonderful, powerful. And they did. And so we were closed every Sunday. And, and the, uh, my, my general manager, he would just come in, and he'd be so mad. But I'm going to tell you what happened. We started, we started watching the trend, and Chick-fil-A being open... By the way, God honors faithfulness. God honors faithfulness. God honors sacrifice. We started noticing the trends, and uh, Chick-fil-A in six days a week was outperforming all of our other stores by at least $20,000 a week, and they were closed one whole day of the week, and they were beating everybody out. I'm going to tell you, God honors faithfulness. Yes, he does. And now Chick-fil-A is all over Indiana and they're closed on Sundays. Praise the Lord. And so God honors that. God honors that. Jesus kept the Sabbath and he did it as, a, as an example to us. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Uh, he was accused of breaking the Sabbath laws, but Jesus clarified the law for a couple of things. Number one, acts of necessity. You can change. If your tire, if your tire goes flat on Sunday, you can change your tire. Amen. They were mad at him because he was helping people and he was he was feeding people and he was doing uh, acts of service and kindness and, and mercy. And uh, and Jesus said, listen, uh, the, the law was not designed to make your life miserable. It was designed for you. So Mark two twenty seven, Jesus said the Sabbath. Could we read this together? Is it behind me? The Sabbath was made for man and not man. For the Sabbath. Now, here's the point that I, I want to make for that. I know that sometimes making the, the sacrifice to be faithful to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, try to get on Wednesday night. Uh, boy, if you really love God, get to Tuesday night prayer, get filled up on prayer. That's where the power is. I understand that that can be a sacrifice, and I, and, and I realize that. But our, our mentality gets messed up sometimes. God designed the Sabbath to be a blessing to you, 
not you just to be a blessing to the Sabbath. What that means is if we could recalibrate our minds to understand that I'm not just going to church out of some out of some legalistic, liturgical duty. I'm coming to the house of God because that's where my blessing is. That's where my power is. That's where my rest is. That's where I'm going to be uplifted. That's where I'm going to be refilled with the Holy Ghost. That's where I'm going to feel the presence of God amongst His people like it's difficult for me to do in the crud and the messed up society that we live in. And so God created the Sabbath so that we could rest in his presence. That's why I don't want to let a Sunday go by where I just ho-hum my way through church. I'm going to lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting. I'm not going to have to wait on some praise singer to shout just right so I'll shout with him. No, no, no. I came into the house of God with a praise on my lips because this day was designed by God for me. God put it together so that I could have victory. God designed the Sabbath so that I could have joy unspeakable and full of glory. God designed the Sabbath so that my children could be rooted and grounded in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's holy and it's valuable and it's vital and it's a part of my strength. I can't make it without the house of God. God built the church for me. He laid the foundation with his own blood and with his own life and his own sacrifice. And so everything that I do is built on the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so sometimes when I'm tired on Sunday morning, I lift up my head and say, thank you, Jesus, that you designed the church for me so that I could be refreshed when I'm weary, when my heart is cold, when I feel like giving up. I come into the house of God and I feel a refreshing. When I feel like a failure, I come into the presence of God and I hear Sister Lucas praying and it does something in my spirit when I don't feel like worshiping I look over and my brother is worshiping and it does something to me God did that for me God designed it for you he didn't design you for the Sabbath sometimes we think that way well I've got to go you know, I got to go do my duty. And yes, it is an obligation. But if you think of it that way, you're always going to be living underneath the pressure, the pressure, the pressure. But when you understand that God put this thing together to be a blessing to you, it's, you know, sometimes it's all about how you're looking at it. Sometimes it's all about how you're thinking about it. And I'll admit to you, I am a... Well, maybe I shouldn't admit that. I'm a glass half empty kind of guy. My, my family will tell you, I, I tend to be a glass half empty kind of guy. If it wasn't for the Holy Ghost, I'd be a glass all the way empty kind of guy. And, uh, but my wife is a glass overflowing kind of gal. I mean, <laughs> whoo, it's always overflowing. She's always seeing... You know, and, and, and she'll tell me, I'll say, uh, and she'll say, oh, no, no, it's going. And, and, and so the Lord put someone in my life that, that tempers my, my tendency to lean towards the negative. And he gave me someone who's extremely optimistic. I mean, she'll see the good in anybody, everything, every situation. She always sees the good. 
And I'm always saying, oh, Lord, I don't know. And, and help us, God. But I'm going to tell you, when you adjust your mentality, when you change just even the way you view church and the house of God and your worship and your prayer life, sometimes it just takes a little flip of the switch and it will completely change the way you look at life. And some of us need to change the way we look at the house of God in church because some of us are looking at it like, I can barely make it. When if you understood that God had a blessing waiting for you in the house of God, you would wake up and run to the house of God if some of you understood the power that God wanted to pour out in our altar services you wouldn't have to wait for a preacher to beg you and come and pray you would run to the altar just as soon as you could when the preaching was over some of you would run to the altar before the preacher was even done because you would understand God made the Sabbath for me he's got something for me alright I'm done number five honor Everyone said honor. This is a good one to end with because it's Mother's Day. Honor thy father. You know, we do get a mention. Dad, did you know that? We get an honorable mention in that. <laughs> I forget about that sometimes. But we do get, <laughs> we do get an, fathers do get an honorable mention. But I, I think we all understand that mothers get the double portion. Amen? And they deserve it. So honor thy father. And thy mother. This is the only commandment with a promise attached to it. Have you ever noticed that? This is the only one. Let's read the entire verse. Exodus twenty twelve. Honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Wow. That's powerful, isn't it? There is a promise attached to honoring your parents. And it goes without saying it's implied. It doesn't say it, but it's implied that that if you do not honor your parents, there are consequences attached to that as well. God honors obedience. God honors a respectful heart. God honors a thankful heart. And, uh, and that word honor, everyone said honor. We don't, we don't really use the word honor uh, as much as we should. It's kind, of, it's kind of slipped out of favor in the English language. You just don't hear people say honor very much. Uh, and, and I think that's a bad thing because honor is an important word. It's a valuable word. It has all kinds of, of implications attached to it. I think one of the reasons we don't use it much is it's, it's hard to find honorable people. It's getting harder and harder. Not trying to be negative, but it's true. It's very, just try to find someone who keeps their word. It's hard. It's hard. Try to find someone that if they tell you they're going to do it, they're going to do it. It's, it's hard. It's difficult. We're not living in an honorable society any longer. In fact, we live in a society that often rewards dishonor. And, uh, and so it's slipped out of favor in our language. But that word honor means many things, but it means respect. Everyone said respect. So we're to respect our parents, and not only that, but the word honor also carries with it the idea of value. And so not only do we respect, but we value our parents. You cannot value something that you don't respect. You cannot show honor to someone or something 
that you don't respect. And, uh, and so I think that it's, it's vital that we show honor to our parents, honor to our parents, value them, love them, respect them. And we also respect the office or the institution of parenthood. In other words, I'm fully aware that there, there, are, there are parents, not all parents. Listen, I was blessed. I, I have the greatest parents in all the world, and I thank God for it every day of my life. I don't take it for granted. I, I understand. I understand, and it pains me that not everyone gets to grow up in a household with, with parents that love them and that, and that treat them right and that pray for them and raise them in the way that they should go. But I'm going to tell you, regardless of the circumstance or the situation, there is something to be said for respecting the office of parenthood. Hello? There's something to be said for that. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to, you know, always... Uh, it doesn't mean you have to be okay with being hurt or uh, I understand there are things that happen in this world. I understand that. But there's still a level of respect that must be shown for the office of parenthood. And, uh, and we understand that in other things. We understand that with, uh, with other things in life. Even, for example, the Bible talks about honoring a pastor. There are certain offices, positions, we could say, that are worthy of. Of respect, At the very least, if nothing else, you respect the office or the position of parenthood. And I want to take a moment as I close out, and I just want to thank all of the godly praying mothers at Apostolic Tabernacle who have dedicated your life to serving the Lord. You love God. You love your children. You love your grandchildren. And I want to take a moment and say thank you. God bless you. I think we ought to give them a hand right now, every single one of them. Come on, men. This is your turn. Win some brownie points. Show them you love them. Amen, amen, amen. Let's stand together. Happy Mother's Day to all of you. We love you. And I'm thankful for everyone who's here today. We have several exciting things happening. Let's bow and let's pray our head. Pray for our children. Let's pray for our mothers. And let's pray for one another. Lord, in the name of Jesus, as we transition, I pray that you keep us and bless us. I pray that you'd have your way in this second service, Lord. We give you praise. We give you honor. Everyone said in Jesus' name, amen.